Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the 5th Trooper Podcast and Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. We are reporting in live from LVO, and today we have a very special guest, Luke Eddy, one of the game developers of Legion. How are you doing, Luke? I'm doing good. It's uh, awesome to be here. Uh, it's awesome to be at LVO. Uh, the, uh, let's see, this is the day after the tournament. Um, and uh, yeah, it was awesome. And uh, I'm excited to be on your podcast. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah, it was really interesting uh, that you were there. And it seems like you're a huge supporter of these events. What's your favorite part about going to them? Uh, well, so I've been at uh, Gen Con and I've been at LVO now. And um, I mean, more than anything, it's just seeing this many people playing Legion, you know, and having a great time. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun to work on the game, but uh, like you don't always see the impact, you know, of the game when you're just in your office, you know, trying to come up with, you know, or not even designing something, but it's some menial task, you know, like, oh, you're right, yep, got to do this today. But then actually going out and seeing people playing it, enjoying it, and really loving it, um, you know, it's really a, a great, like, morale boost, and it's just, it's awesome to see it. Really, that's the best part, is seeing people actually playing it and enjoying it. Yeah, so when you were walking around yesterday, was there any uh, list or game or any moments that seemed pretty impressive to you or stood out in your mind? Uh, yeah, I was pleased to see uh, that uh, one list, Kingsley's actually, had a um, FD tower in it, which is uh, pleasant to see. I think every single unit was represented, uh, which was fun. Um, there was, um, I think it was, uh, oh, who was it who had the ballsy Luke play where he jumped out to kill the um, uh, to take down some fleet troopers who had picked up the middle crate on uh, that, was, that was David our, our, oh, yeah. my co-host David yes um, that's right yeah. Yeah. Ooh, nice plug for the podcast yeah there you go yeah shout, shout out to him that was um, and then Luke survived for most of the game then so that was impressive that was a good play there I mean you gotta gotta play the objective even if it means possibly sacrificing your commander if it's the game you gotta do it yeah yeah yeah, and I think there's there's just so many different options when you're playing the game, and, and as the rounds go down, you just you start seeing how the game's going to unfold. And yeah, sacrificing a commander is definitely one of those options to yeah. to get the win, or or early too. I mean, to make a play like that early and know that like this may determine the whole game. I have to do this now. You know? Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll start with for you. What's it like personally? to take something like Star Wars and be able to work on it and take things and units and make them into this game? Um, it's, uh, honestly, it's just a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I, it's no secret, I think, I hope, that um, all people who work at FFG are uh, just huge nerds and we really like Star Wars. So um, it's just been an amazing privilege to work on a Star Wars game and to work on, um, well, uh, shout out to Alex Davey, of course, like the rule set he designed for Legion is great as a sandbox to work in. Um, and you can, um, you can do so much thematic stuff with the rule set and with uh, just a miniatures game in general. A miniatures game is an amazing platform for doing Star Wars. It just makes sense. So um, it's a lot of fun and um, it's, it's awesome to see that sort of merging of theme and mechanics um, come together so well so often too, and to get the feel of, you know, these really cinematic things and these heroes and villains and um, vehicles and things to feel like they do in a movie in a game. 
So it's very satisfying. Yeah, and so I guess could you like walk us through some of the process of it? Like, you know, for instance, uh, I was reading there's what like 34 people that are listed in the book and the rules book that worked on the game. Um, how does that all fit into the process? You know, and what's like a normal day look like? Sure. Well, uh, so a normal day is um, hard to define because it can be totally different given uh, what stage the project is on. Um, yeah, I appreciate, you know, pointing out like there's so many people who work on a game. I think um, people sometimes expect there to be more developers designing for a game and fewer, I don't know, other people working on it. But in reality, you know, it's just a few developers. It's, it's Alex and I and a whole army of other people because we have you know, a graphic designer, um, Evan Simonette, who's awesome. And sometimes we have to pull in a second one. We have multiple art directors who are coordinating with, you know, dozens of freelance artists. We have our sculpting team in-house, multiple sculptors, plus the sculpting manager, Derek Fuchs, and really awesome people working on this game. And yeah, it's a long list of credits. It's a lot that goes into a game. Um, so uh, I have the privilege, honestly, of working with all these cool people. Um, so on any given day, I might be coordinating with the art director and we're talking about like, oh, you know, what might need to be tweaked about this art piece that a freelancer is working on, you know, um, or I may be talking with the graphic designer. We're talking about like what, you know, graphical elements we're going to need for an upcoming thing we're working on. Perhaps it has a new token or it needs a new template, something like that, you know, or I'm talking with um, sculpting and they're showing me what they're working on and Mostly I just tell them that what they're doing is awesome, you know. Uh, but every once in a while, you know, I, I, there's some little Star Wars detail, you know. I'll, I, 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 we try to put a lot of um, research into what we're doing. Uh, we try to, you know, because we want to represent it thematically, but we also want to be, you know, correct and, you know, sh have things um, equipped with the right gear, you know, um, elements like that. So a lot of us sort of absorb a lot of Star Wars knowledge and there's a lot of good you know cross-pollination um, you know different people in our office have you know are maybe resident experts on some of the TV shows and stuff so it's we'll pull them sometimes for questions and um, so yeah my day-to-day -day changes a lot and um, obviously as a developer I spend most of the time doing design work um, but a lot of it is also um, we have a lot of playtesters, so, you know, reading playtest reports, getting feedback from those testers. Um, you know, I, I don't, uh, unfortunately, just sit around playing games all day. <laughs> um, so you mentioned, um, like, bringing stuff to life from other sources other than the original trilogy. Um, how do you, how do you, like, decide, uh, you know, what goes into that decision? Like, obviously, there's the stuff from the original trilogy, some of that's low-hanging fruit, like, you gotta have Luke, you gotta have Vader, you know? But there are things also that are that are great in the game, like ATRTs and Wookiees, um, you know, Sabine and Busk, um, that may not be, like, like central characters from the original trilogy. How do you, um, like, what goes into the decision to, to bring those units in? Well, um, so I can't go into too much specifics, but I can say roughly that, um, you know, a, a, a lot of it is um, coming to a consensus. Um, and um, I think, you know, we had some um, 
we had some directives that we all were like on board with of you know like we want to represent the original trilogy first and foremost to get the game going make it look like star wars on the table um and then uh start branching out you know there was more um there's more original trilogy stuff we um could have done and still will do um but we wanted to get rogue one in there um because it's so I mean, it, Rogue One is what Legion is, almost more so than the original trilogy in terms of, like, on-the-ground battles between, you know, troops and stuff. Uh, Rogue One's awesome. And uh, I, I think part of why we did it and part of why you're also, like, seeing Sabine is um, we want to just kind of let people know that, like, that's where we're going. Like, you know, do you, do you have a favorite Star Wars thing? Like just hang in there. There's a good chance we'll get to it eventually. You know, there's so much we can do for this game. And, you know, honestly, if, if we could just design and release everything, you know, at once, that'd be great. It'd make so many people happy. But, you know, there's there's so much content and people have so many favorites that, you know, it may take a while for us to get to your favorite Star Wars character or vehicle or thing like that. But um, we did want to, you know, sort of like add in elements that weren't just the original three movies to sort of cue people in that like that's the scope of this game um so yeah and in terms of like actual very specific things it's it's yeah it's it's coming to a consensus with you know um what um you know what the people who are involved in the game want to see in the game and you know sort of a balance too between just honestly what's cool and um you know, mechanically to what we want to introduce. You know, we've tried to um, fill out certain ranks. That's been sort of a, a driving decision or um, directive. I don't know what's the word I want to use. I don't know. That's sort of just driven a lot of the choices we've made more broadly. And then within a particular rank, we sit down and are like, all right, what's the coolest thing that's that rank? You know, so that's roughly kind of how we do it. Uh, so one of the things that I love... Um about Legion specifically, like just as a Star Wars fan, is how the theme when you're playing a certain unit, it, it feels like that unit. Like, you know, for me as a Rebel player, Luke feels like Luke as I'm leaping around the battlefield, you know. Um, and like Vader, you know, really feels like Vader. What, what goes into like sort of fitting that theme and matching a unit's abilities and stats and everything to like how they're perceived in Star Wars lore? Um, yeah, well. I would say uh, what helps with that is the, um, I mean, the, the rule set that Alex came up with um, has a lot of knobs and levers to adjust. Um, so there's a lot of things you can tweak to sort of push that theme um, with each character. Um, the, the keyword system is great. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, use we can get out of each keyword because it's not just game text on a card it's a word that we can you know say like uh sabine for example you know we have gunslinger on on solo that's perfect for him we came up with it for han uh and then when i started working on sabine i was like well you know that's that's her jam too you know so i can just pull that from han solo put it on sabine sort of frankenstein together characters but then also look for like, oh, you know, what, what defines this character? What's something unique? You know, and that's when we invent, you know, come up with a new keyword that's something that's representative of what's special about that character. And, you know, we'll sometimes try to make those keywords um, 
somewhat generic enough that down the line when we have another character that's like, oh, that's their jam too, um, we can reuse that again for another character as well. Um, but uh, no, it's, it's, it's a good rule set for just bringing out a lot of Star Wars theme. And I think, um, you know, you um, as far as perception, like things feeling like Vader or, or the unit feeling like Luke, um, you know, I think there's just enough of a suspension of disbelief, so to speak. Um, you know, for example, like a, a regular trooper unit has one health per mini, you know, whereas Luke Skywalker has six. It's not like Luke is six times beefier than a normal man, but um, there's still that, that perception that like Luke is a hero, you know, and he should stand out like that. So, you know, you sort of fudge reality, so to speak, you know, to service the, the theme and the feel of the game that people expect. Yeah, plot armor. It's a it's a whole lot of plot armor. Those rebel characters, especially, have some good plot armor. Yes, they do. Well, and I guess to speak to that, uh, we can mention this with Sabine coming out. The sculpts are also kind of going into theme, and now there's going to be maybe some options with the sculpts as well. Yeah. So um, that's something that uh, honestly we've wanted to do for a while, um, and um, you know I. Can't give any spoilers, but like suffice to say, like we are always improving. You know, it's not too much to say that like, you know, we're learning as we do this. Our sculpting team is a group of amazing guys, and what they do just keeps getting better and better. Um, and so, like m the multi-part uh, or uh, minis with Sabine and Boss, um, that's that's a step in a direction that we want to go, um, and. Um, you know, it, it, when we got to those characters, well, I should say, when we got to Sabine, um, it just made sense. Um, you know, she has an iconic helmet. She's a Mandalorian. You got to have that on there. Uh, but it would be cool to do her likeness, too, in sculpt, you know. Um, and then similarly, um, of course, we were going to do the Darksaber, and that would look badass to have on a mini. But um, from the get-go, um, I wanted it to be an upgrade. Um, so that you could sort of um, represent Sabine at various stages of the season, of the TV show, various seasons of the TV show, because she sort of evolves as a character. And you see that in her equipment as well. She sort of accrues more equipment as she goes. Um, the sculpt in particular is her from season four. So you'll see, like, she's got the, the extra, like, shin guards, and um, the van bracers are the ones she gets from, from uh, Fen Rao. Um, so he chose, well, and the jetpack too. So he chose the season four look for her armor, but a lot of her upgrades are sort of, if you strip them away, that's sort of maybe season two Sabine. Um, and so that gives people, you know, a way to be like, oh, this is the Sabine from my favorite season, or to, you know, just in terms of gameplay, tailor it to how they want to run Sabine. Sabine with a Darksaber versus Sabine without a Darksaber are very different. So from the get-go, we wanted that to be um, an element of her character. And with the Darksaber being not necessarily a given, um, it made sense to have two different sculpted options for her arms as well. Give her both guns if that's how you're running her, or give her the Darksaber if that's how you're running her too. So after doing that then, um, we were like, well, we don't want the Imperial players to feel left out. Um, Boss doesn't really have any other gear. So we, uh, we sat down, we thought about it, and um, I don't know if... I suppose people have noticed that there's a few extra tokens in that spread. 
Um, uh, not going to say what they do yet, but, uh, you know, suffice to say, he, he may throw a, a grenade or two that may not be so nice to stand near. But uh, since he can do that, we're like, all right, hey, that, that can be one of his other options, you know, hucking a grenade and holding the gun in one hand. So, yeah, and um, I think uh, we're going to look to uh, doing more of that in the future. Yeah, and I guess in that same kind of token, uh, the command cards also play a huge part in the, the feel of each character. And like, you know, one in particular that we were pointing out was like Chewy Command's cards are so interesting in the way that they're, he's a true sport character. So do you, like in that process, is that looking at the character and what they do from a thematic standpoint and then trying to figure out how that works in the game? Or is it, okay, we need this type of a mechanic in the game. Who's a good character that would do that? Um, yeah, well, so something like Chewy's Command cards, which I'm glad you mentioned because uh, those were a lot of fun to do. Um, that's one of those, in that case, it was like, it, before even getting to designing the stats of the unit, like, I was like, that's what I want to do. Chewie's, Chewie's like the ultimate support. He's the, he's the super friend, or he glues the super friends together, so to speak. Um, and it was just a cool riff on, you know, sort of Boba Fett's uh, cards, where Boba Fett is like, well, he's the operative, not a command, it's all about him. He's not going to support anyone else. Each of his command cards only activates him. So having... Each of Chewie's pair with a different hero was a nice rift on that. Riff on that, where you know it's still him, but one other guy. Um, but uh, in terms of like deciding on um, mechanics like that, um, definitely I think uh, the it's sort of the character we want to do um, that comes first, um, or you know unit type. And uh, like I said before, we, we do sort of look to like what a faction sort of needs next in terms of rank or um, unit type. You know, maybe, you know, they need another vehicle. I mean, the occupier tank and the land speeder are going to be, well, they're spoiled now, so they're going to be coming out at some point here. And, you know, those were, designing those were a part of like, all right, you know, we've done enough, we've done enough special forces now, and we've got a couple supports we want to return to. Uh, heavies. So um, in that respect, we sort of decide, you know, what slot needs to be filled. Um, and then from there, like I said, it's a decision of like what's, what character is coolest, you know, what character do people want to see in the game? What character do we want to see in the game? Sometimes it's what character do we have ideas for already? Um, and then, um, and then at that point too, um, then we start to do sort of a like, all right, you know, what uh, what brings some balance to the game? Maybe what role does this fill that's lacking? You know, in terms of like, you know, maybe it's a long range option that's not there. Maybe it's a anti trooper option that's not there. Um, but of course, all that can blur together a little bit too. You know, um, so it's it's generally on a case by case basis. So with that, when you're developing these characters and these units so how how do you approach the point system for them and how is it determined and assigned um so to start off with in designing something and uh even the initial testing of something points don't matter um and as part of getting the theme right we make the mechanics first we need to make chewy feel like chewy um, you know, we need to make Jen feel like Jin. 
Um, we do that first, and then we look at, all right, well, what should this cost? You know, when, we, when you put all these elements together into one character, then we say, all right, you know, what, what, is this, what does this come out? You know, we ring up all these keywords at the cash register, you know, where do these, how much points does this person cost? And we have a rough ballpark then, and, um, you know, and then we refine that. You know, we either say, oh, it's getting too expensive, maybe we'll cut this. Or we say, like, oh, that's, it's justified, we'll raise the cost, lower the cost, whatever. Um, you know, we have, um, we, our, our testers help with that. They give feedback on points costs and stuff, you know. But, um, you know, I, I mean, the thing is, is it, theme matters so much I, because it's Star Wars. Um, that um, making a character feel like the character who they are in the film, making a, a vehicle or something feel intimidating or, you know, uh, have the right board presence is really important. And then we go from there with points. Um, so in your testing, um, uh, you know, what, what is the role? So I, I'm personally mostly a Rebel player. I love me some Rebels. Good. Um, what, like, what would you say is, is the role of Rebels from a faction, uh, like, develop perspective? And, um, you know, we, we're starting to see some keywords diverge here a little bit that might be faction-specific. Like, are there, are there things like that with Rebels that... Um, we're going to see over time kind of coalesce around their faction identity? Um, yes. And uh, I can actually, I think, answer two questions at once here with the Imperials and the Rebels. Um, I don't know if people are familiar with the um, sort of card game player breakdown, the Spike, Johnny, Timmy uh, system. You know what I'm talking about? So, um, well, and for, for listeners, well, I, I shall expound, but um, so uh, it's used generally for like uh, CCGs and stuff. It's been around for a while, and it's the idea that there's generally three types of players, and they overlap, but um, Spike is the player who is all about efficiency. They're in it, they're in it to win it, so to speak. Um, and then you have Johnny. Johnny is playing the game as an expression for him. He's going to find those combos. He's, he's all about that jank. Uh, and then you have Timmy, who, like, he wants to see big, splashy things. He wants to make a big impact on the battlefield or in the game or or sometimes just crush his opponent. Um, and, uh, you know, so uh, generally, um, you know, a lot of games will look at, like, you know, we want to appeal to all these different play styles. You know, we're not just making a whole game for Spike. It's not just all raw efficiencies. You know, we're also not making a whole game just for Johnny, where it's all these crazy, weird combos and, you know, synergies and things like that. And we're also not making a whole game just for Timmy, too. Like, you know, Timmy doesn't generally make sometimes the best decisions um, in terms of, uh, you know, lists or decks or things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, so um, you can take these different uh, card players and really apply them to almost any game. Um, and so for Legion, um, it's not a one-for-one one exactly. You know, there's definitely blur, but um, both factions we try to have be competitive. You know, so both factions have elements that appeal to the spike player, the one who wants things that are efficient, that get the job done. You know, their, their stats are just a little bit ahead of the curve, or they sort of are a jack-of-all-trades, solid choice, you know, not going to have high variance type of thing. Um, 
But then for the Rebels, it skews just a little bit Johnny, so to speak. There's just a little more comboing going on, a little more synergy. Um, I mean, Chewie's a good example, obviously. You know, you look at Chewie and you're like, I, you probably don't want to, you know, run him and two other commanders just to get his command cards in. You know, like Luke, Han, Chewie is getting a little bit expensive there. But hey, man, if that's, if that's your jam, if that's what you want to pull off, by all means, do that. Do, you know, use those synergies. Um, and then for the Imperials on the other side, it does skew just a little bit Timmy sometimes. A good example of that would be Palpatine, which I'm, I'm glad. It's awesome that Palpatine is seeing play. There's Palpatine at LVO. Um, and uh, you know, if you play him right, he can make a huge impact on the battlefield. So some spikes, I imagine, out there are playing uh, Palpatine, but who is designed a little bit for the Timmy player. Where it's like, this is a huge splash unit. I can like have a massive influence on the battlefield with this one guy. You know, the and now you will die turn, you know, where Palpatine blows himself up to wreck the board. Um, that's that's kind of for the Timmy player. And um, like I said, it, it sort of blurs, but um, that's a little bit of the approach you've taken. Um, and then more specifically, you know, there are things like um, the Imperials, you probably notice, get a little more range, generally speaking, not a whole lot, but a little bit more over the Rebels. Um, obviously, there's the red die which allows the Rebel players to be a slightly more reckless, I think, actually. And it's, it doesn't make them more defensive. It actually makes them a little more offensive in some ways. Whereas the Rebel player with that white die needs to play a little more defensively to keep guys alive um, and just sort of rely, taking dodge tokens to stay alive and then relying on the better attack dice. Um, and then uh, suppression, too. The Imperials tend to put out a little more suppression, whereas the Rebels sometimes mitigate it a little better or in the case of Jin and pathfinders like actually want it like please yes give me some more suppression um so yeah there are definitely sort of um you know um different mirrors that we are conscious of and uh, we wanted to feel distinct too so you know like you said there are you know um keywords that are on one faction's units that you honestly may never see on an imperial unit and like we do a very specific like you know like, this is an iconoclast unit, you know. You know, for example, you have Sabine on the Rebels. Like, I mean, she's, you know, there's very few Rebel units with that red armor save. I mean, just just Luke and Sabine, I think, might be it. And two. Yeah, it's two. It's two. And uh, uh, and Sabine gets the the uh, the surge on defense, too. Like, that's, that's very, you know, iconoclast for Rebels. That's not their thing. But it makes her stand out. So, like, we will cross, you know, a... a something will cross factions, it'll jump to another one sometimes. But generally speaking, we wanted to feel distinct, we wanted to feel different. Um, so there are sort of rough boundaries that we do try and maintain to, to make them feel different from each other. So, so with all of that, has the community surprised you in any way as far as the list building of any combos? That I, not that you guys didn't see, but maybe you didn't think would be as strong as they've become. Um, so my absolute favorite list that people came up with is sorry about the barbecue. <laughs> um, I mean, and, and was that yours? Did you name that one? Uh, I don't know if I came up with the name, but I definitely popularized the list. That was your brainchild, so I, to speak. I, I, I wouldn't go that far, but, uh, <laughs> well, uh, points to you, sir. Um, <laughs> And whoever came up with the name, too, that's great. Um, and this is a tangent now, but I, I, I do really like the names that people have come with, up with for various lists. 
I, mean, I think Wonder Twins and Super Friends were kind of a low-hanging fruit. Those were gimmies. We actually called them that in testing. So, um, but uh, no, uh, sorry about the barbecue. Is is great. That was a um, yeah. It's not some like weird unintended you know combo, but you know using that zero pip on Hans, but then the you know the HQ uplink to actually have it be something else that's going first and doing a clutch play uh, is great. That's the community came up with that. But well, and Kyle came up with that. He <laughs> <laughs> said, I don't know that I invented it, but I, you know, definitely popularized it. So. Yeah. So that's a great example of like, um, you know, the sort of like strategies that sort of emerge and stuff. And, you know, I mean, as we release more and more stuff, like we're making a sandbox for people to like discover those in, you know, and to experiment and, you know, do cool stuff like that. So, so with that, uh, what's your favorite risk to run? <laughs> I'm gonna give you two options. So one okay. for fun, uh -huh. and then uh, when when you're like have to test the game. So, um, uh, it's both the same. Is running for fun and testing the same? Uh, not not quite the same. You're in a different mindset certainly when you're testing. Although, actually, you know, maybe I. Sh I I should walk back on that because Alex and I do when we play together tend to get a little competitive <laughs> so um, we do try to beat each other um, when we play so maybe it's not quite so different um, uh, testing though is you, you definitely are doing it's a little bit of a different mindset of course because you're you're doing a lot of like you know you may even have you know despite trying to beat each other moments where you're like well I don't know if this is the optimal play but like I, I want to do this and see how well it works, you know. Um, in terms of, like, uh, what are my favorite lists? Uh, in testing, um, uh, man, Jin Pathfinders are a ton of fun. Uh, like, her and the Pathfinders hunker down near the middle of the board, just eating suppression for days and not dying is hilarious. Um, that one's a lot of fun. Um, my man, my favorite list testing though um, was uh, Krennic and one Death Trooper and three E Webs and six units. I can't tell you what they are yet. <laughs> so stay tuned. There's some there's some good synergies coming out. I'm excited for those guys. Um, and then for fun, um, for fun, you know, I just like throwing anything on the board. Really, I. You know, I play the game a lot, um, testing it, um, and so, like, if I'm going to play it casually, like, at that point, it's just, like, you know, it's it's kind of whatever. Like, you know, I, I in testing, you're so far ahead of where the game actually is that you're actually a little bit removed from what's competitive. Um, I, I think it's safe to say that, you know, don't be under any illusions that, like, designers are the best people at a game. Um, because you know you're like I said, testing your brain space is is in a different you know mode. Um, whereas someone who's like playing like what's out right now and just playing that over and over and really refining that strategy, like yeah, they're probably honestly better at the game. Um, you know, you're you're doing something differently when you're designing and especially when you're you're playing a playtest game. Um, so when it comes to just playing you know, outside of playtesting, like, honestly, I, I love playing it with people who are just getting into it, um, you know, and I can just throw whatever on the board. I'm not worried about winning. I'm just helping learn the game. Like, that's a ton of fun. Um, 
you know. So um, those are the sort of games that I play outside of trying to test the game. So um, honestly, though, it is it is awesome to like be at an event like this and see these really high level like competitive um, players because um, you know it's it's cool to see what they can pull off uh, too. Like. Um, I mean, actually, uh, going back to like lists and things that were here, Nick Freeman's triple out saboteurs list was pretty hilarious. Um, <laughs> I was glad to see them on the table. I was glad that what he was doing wasn't, you know, was still janky. You know, that that wasn't like, oh, that's the new meta now. No, but it's awesome to see those guys out there on the board, the saboteurs. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I rambled a little bit, no, but I hope that good. answers your question. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Wonder Twins and how that's what you called them in testing. Is so um, obviously that's something a build that you played. You know the the two of them together in testing. Were they like designed to work together like that, or was that just sort of a natural evolution of their abilities? If you look at our releases, you can probably identify sort of pods of um, units that sort of have similar themes or connected mechanics. Um, obviously, uh, the, all the Rogue One stuff, plus the land speeder, uh, we uh, worked on those kind of simultaneously. You know, so Jin and the Pathfinders have a lot of synergy with each other. Um, so, um, yeah, there's there's definitely intentional synergies like that that we work through. But, you know, it's again, though, it's as we release more and more stuff, it becomes more and more of a sandbox for people to find, you know, maybe somewhat unexpected synergy or, or combos or tactics and things like that. Um, and similarly for Empire, uh, Veers and Boba Fett get run a lot together. Is that something also that you guys did, um, you know, like in testing, or is that something that's evolved since... Um, and they don't have a, the same kind of direct synergy that Luke and Leia do, but they certainly complement the other Empire units well together. Um, yeah, so that one was just a little more incidental. Um, it was sort of, I mean, the um, Veers and uh, Vader were very intentionally the first two because there was um, a disparity between them in points. You have Vader who's very expensive and you have Veers who's I mean, the cheapest command, non-generic commander for the Imperials. Um, you know, whereas the Rebel ones are sort of clustered together a little closer in points cost, the Empire has this greater disparity between the high end and the low end. Um, so it was just natural then that players who wanted to include more options or other expensive options in their list would gravitate towards Veers as a commander. If you take Vader, he's, he's the centerpiece of your army. Whereas if you take Veer, something else probably is the centerpiece, so it allows for some of those more expensive units. And that's sort of the Empire in general. There's a lot of disparity there between, like, I mean, their heavy is the most expensive heavy. Boba Fett's more expensive than, um, than uh, Chewbacca. Um, you know, and then on the other end, Veer's is the cheapest. He's cheaper than Leia. So um, that, that wasn't necessarily a synergy that we came up with, the Veer's and Boba, but it was just sort of a natural, like, hey, I mean, you can run Boba Vader if you want. Um, you can make that work. But, you know, it gets, starts to get a little expensive. You really have to, to care about your core units and make sure you don't lose those so you have enough activations. Um, but, you know, if, if you want to, you know, pad your activations a little more, you can get, you know, instead of, you know, one Vader, you can have Veers and, Bo or, and Boba. So, yeah, that was just sort of a natural thing that occurred for the Imperials. 
Uh, all right, so since we're at LVO and we have one more high, uh, maximum firepower left, uh, what do you think we can expect there and, and even at high command? So, <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I, Kyle might be better posed to answer this question than I am because, uh, like I said, like, you know, I, I, it's cool to see what list people are doing, and I do try and keep track of what's the, like, top of the meta right now and, like, what people are sort of just discovering, and that's cool to see. But I don't know if I have a great sense of, like, what list is going to take it necessarily. I don't know if I even have necessarily a good like rebel or imperial uh, guess. So yeah, and I'll, and I'll say you know I'll let Kyle uh, talk to all that, but just from my views yesterday, of the they were all over the place. I didn't like there's a you know there's some that were very similar, but I don't know. I was really good to see the list just span the spectrum. Yeah, there was a ton of variety yesterday. Um, I'm gonna do like a full deep dive of all 62 lists. Um, Which you know awesome. and how the, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think hopefully we'll be able to answer that question in more detail, but at least in the top six, there was, um, two Wonder Twins, uh, Palpatine, um, uh, a couple more like random ones. Um, you know, uh, I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but, um, yeah, I, I expect it will be similar. I guess it depends a lot on, you know, Adepticon is two months from now. So I guess it depends on what we get in between now and then. Which, which we will. Yeah. <laughs> there will be releases between now yeah. and then. I, I assume so. I, you know, unless they all like fall off the boat or something in between here in China. Oh, I, I hope not. <laughs> um, like that unfortunate shipping container to like Brazil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I expect it will look a little different, but um, it should be fairly similar. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it us up for us today. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. No, man, thank you. It's It was an honor. It was, it was awesome to be here at LVO. And I, I think, you know, part of the fun certainly is uh, the day after recording some podcasts. So, uh, no, I appreciate it. appreciate the invite. And it's my pleasure. Yeah, it's a nice, easy thing to do the next morning. Just talk about what happened. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs>